In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Ash Wednesday is typically one of my favorite services of the year. I, I was trying to describe why. I think it's because it very simply is just very honest with us. Remember that you're dust, and to dust you shall return. I mean, that's, that's very simple, very honest, and we don't always get that, do we? But this Ash Wednesday is going to be remembered for something a little different, and it's a tragedy. Uh, it was the day that a young man in South Florida walked into a school and shot 31 people. 17 are dead, 5 are in critical condition. And it's, it's, to say it's a tragedy, it just, it doesn't do it justice, does it? We've heard more and, and more not only about that incident, you've probably seen a lot on the news or heard a lot about it and, and how this has been a growing phenomenon in, uh, especially in the United States. There's a lot of blame that's going around. People are blaming his parents or the school officials or, the FBI is getting a lot of blame. The local police force is getting blame. Uh, and we're hearing lots of calls for action on what needs to be done. And it's ranging everything from stricter laws. We need more stricter, more laws and stricter ones. There. We need better mental health care in this country. We need to be arming security guards. We need to be arming teachers. But I'm... I, I, Folks, the problem isn't solvable by those means. Even if we did all of that, you won't solve the problem. Because the problem is a heart problem. We do. God told Jeremiah... The heart is more deceitful than anything else. And it's mortally sick. It's diseased. Who can fathom it? Who can really understand? Who can really know the depths to, to which it can plunge? And of course, there's one answer to who can do, who can know that, right? God. God knows. Jesus added something to that. Jesus said, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts and sexual immorality. That, that comes from in you. And theft comes from within you. And murder comes from within you. And adultery and greed and wickedness come from within people. Deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within. And they are what defile us. 
We have a heart problem. And there is no number of laws that can be written that will change somebody's heart. People out there are dying and breaking up marriages and and stealing things, not because they don't know better, but because it's a heart problem. If people will not be good, more laws won't make them good. Now, what's, what's the purpose of the law? What's the essence of, of the law? Everything that's said in, in all the, whole, the Old Testament laws and in all the things that the prophets said ha, has, has one simple essence. And Jesus boiled it down. He said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. If if we were going to boil everything down to one law, that one law should be sufficient if laws were sufficient. Do to others what you'd like them to do to you. That would be enough. That's the essence of everything that's told. If you're going to boil it down to two, it comes down to two, right? What is, what's that? Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're going to boil it down to two, that's enough. The Jewish people had hundreds. We have hundreds of thousands. And it's not enough. You can't make somebody good by writing laws. We need new hearts. The only way to find new hearts, the only way to find new hearts, the only way to find new hearts is a relationship with Jesus. In which we trust him to cleanse us of that nature from which all those things come. And he can do that. It's the testimony that a lot of folks in this room have. And millions and millions and millions of saints that have walked this earth before us. When we trust Him, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we are no longer controlled by that sin nature. I used to say when I was a teenager and I found out about a relationship with Jesus, I was like, for the first time in my life, I feel like I have a choice. And I think that's very true. If, before I found out about Jesus, I don't think I really had a choice. Even if I knew better, I'd still find myself doing those things. It's like I just couldn't quit. And when I look at the trajectory I was on, thank goodness I didn't go too far down it. I went far enough, went farther than I wish I had. But without Jesus, without a relationship with the living God... I really think, I, I think you could just write it down. That this is where Brooke's going to end up. Uh, it wasn't a pretty place. There's a lot of brokenness in my family. Maybe there's a lot of brokenness in yours. I don't know. But there's a lot of brokenness in mine. 
And I think I would have ended up in much the same place that a lot of my family did. But when we hear the truth, when we hear the good news that God saves through Jesus and we believe it, then he identifies us as his children, as his friend, and he puts his Holy Spirit in us. It's a, Jesus called it being born again. I mean, you're so different, it's just like you're starting over. Because the Holy Spirit takes up residence in, the, in you in a way that separates you from that sinful nature. And you have a choice. For the first time in your life, you have a choice. You're forever different. And hopefully by the grace of God, you're going to act like it. Paul reminded a group of Christians in Rome this. Paul told them, and I'm telling you, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, Paul says, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to Him at all. He makes a very clear distinction. I mean, for for me, I look at my life before and after, and there's a definite change in my life. I didn't have a choice before. I do now. So do you, if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, let me tell you, I won't go back. It's too good. It is too good to know the living God and to know how much He loves me and to not have to do all those things that I hate doing, but I find myself doing them anyway, or not be able to do those things I really want to do, and I just can't work it. Well, you know what? By God's grace, I can choose. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I can live a different life. And it's more full and more rich, and I know God, and I can live the way that brings a smile to his face. I don't do it all the time. My choice. I'm not forced to do it all the time now. You know what? Isn't that good? But there are two groups of people. There's one in whom the Spirit dwells. They have a relationship with God through Jesus. They're pursuing the things that God wants and that bring a smile to his face. And it goes better for us when we do it that way. It really does. God knows what he's talking about. He knows how he made us, right? Like, you know what? It'll go better for you if you don't cheat on your spouse. Don't do it. Okay. By golly, he's right. It goes better for you. It goes better for you. Don't steal. Don't take things from other people. You know what? It goes better for you. He's right. He knows what he's talking about. But there is a group of people that don't know Him. They haven't been born again. You may be sitting in this room, you're like, what are you talking about? I'm not sure I get it. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. Because it's our job to let you know that it, it exists. You can have a relationship with God. You can learn to do things His way. You can be separated from all the, all the stuff, all that sinful nature. You really can. 
It's amazing and wonderful and, and majestic. And you'd be like, why didn't I find out about this sooner? Well, you can, you're finding out now. But if you don't have that relationship, you don't have a choice. You're controlled by that sinful nature. You're going to find yourself doing things. Some of them you can keep secret. For a while, anyway. Some of them, you're going to do things and everybody's going to know because of how vile it is. Could be on the, in the news, on the paper. Don't worry, people will forget in a few days. Because there's more bad stuff that goes on out there. We can fill our lives, Christians, with lesser things that distract us and turn away from the awesome life we could live. We might know we're forgiven, but we also might be like a prince or a princess who leaves the castle and plays in the gutter. And you were made for better things and grander things than playing in the gutter. Lent is a good time to consider where we're called to change. What do we need to pick up and start doing? What do we need to put down and stop? If we're really going to act like we're a child of the king, what do we need to start doing? What do we need to quit? You know, you and I, we're part of something that's so wonderful and majestic. And we don't think about it too, too often, how big it is. We're, we're the church. We're the apple of his eye. We're the beloved we're the ones for whom he gave his life. We are precious. We're called to know Christ. We're called to love him, to listen to him, to worship him, to grow to be like him. To do those things that bring a smile to his face. Loving God, loving others. Treating them like we want to be treated. For me, this Lent, what I need more in my life than anything else is space. I need space. I need quiet from all the busyness. Um, it's been my habit for a long time when I'm in the car. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll listen to good teachings, and sometimes I'll listen to, you know, sports podcasts too, and that. But, you know, but I'll listen. Yeah, this is a great time. I can I can be learning things, and all this I'm driving around. And it is. It's a great time. But I need space. I, I'm turning that off more and more. Just having quiet. Maybe some instrumental music. But but if it has words, I'm finding that I'm just trying to learn the words and sing along with it because that's just what I do. I need space. I need quiet. Um, we've 
cut back on TV in my house. You know, you can just get wrapped up in TV. I don't know about y'all, but we can. Goes on in the evening. Just just to relax, just to have downtime, right? And, and it's on as you're going to bed. Just on all evening. You know what? I, I've taken several evenings this, this past week. Not turned on the TV. I've read. It's been wonderful. Getting some space. I need space. I need some quiet. I, I need to learn of him. Jesus needed that too. Because God wants us to know him and, and be like him. And it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, quiet places, places where there weren't people to pray. And I need that. I need that more. I don't have that. I fill up, fill up too much time with podcasts and, you know, radio and headline news and, you know, just whatever happens to be on the channel on the, of the TV. So, Lent, it's time for me to pull away. Take time, read his word, pray, listen. Listen to him. Wow. It's amazing how much more he speaks when it's quiet enough to hear him. I'm, I'm thinking about, I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking about getting a journal and actually writing down some of what he says or the things that I find out and discover. I haven't done that in years. I'm thinking about doing that because I'm starting to find if I take enough space, then I have things that are worth writing down. You and I are the church. We're called to know him. We're also called to make him known. We are the representatives of the Savior and Messiah of the world. We're ambassadors. We're, we're family inviting other people to join the family. Until he comes back, we're the ones. And, and we're promised by Jesus himself. Jesus said, I will build my church. I'll do it. Guess how he's doing it? For you and me. It, it's that wonderful interplay of the mysterious and the things only God can do and the practical, not mysterious at all, things that you and I do. And somehow those come together in God's plan and grace. You and I are the ones that work it out in practical ways. And Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. There are all over the place gates, as, you, as it were. Let's just use this imagery. There are gates that the enemy of our souls has opened up in lives. And one of them was in a school in South Florida on Ash Wednesday. We got a really good look at what does it look like when hell comes rushing into a place. But we get that same insight. We, we see hell open up a gate in, in marriages. 
And, and we have the, a growing teen suicide rate like we've never seen. And, and more people are hopeless and angry and lonely and despairing in these gates. You know, it's like these are gates opening up. Here's the thing. If gates don't prevail against the church, and gates, just think about how a gate works. A gate doesn't chase you down the street, does it? So it's not that we're going to be able to escape the gate. You know, that's not. The gates won't stand up when we go to knock them down. Gates won't be able to stand against us when we come against them. It may not be easy, but we've got a promise by somebody that knows what he's talking about. I mean, I'll go along with him. He predicted and pulled off his own resurrection. He said he was God. I'm just, if he can do that, whatever you say, you say it won't prevail against us, I'm in. A friend of mine, a a dear friend of mine, his name is Phil Ashey. Phil runs a a group that you may or may not have heard of called the Anglican, American Anglican Council. He wrote this on Friday. He said, since gates do not attack, Jesus must have meant that we, his church, must identify the gates of hell in our own communities to which we have been called to share and advance God's kingdom. This school shooting reminds us that those gates can swing open and unleash hell upon our communities in a split second. You may have noticed that the shooter in this case confessed that he heard voices in his head compelling him to undertake this horrific shooting. He planned this act to inflict maximum casualties. And he goes on. The planning and execution were diabolical. Church, when things like this are going on in our society, is it sufficient for us to stay in the walls of the building and in our homes in private and do Bible studies and pray? It isn't sufficient. And more and more, society does want us confined to behind the doors of the church on Sunday and behind the doors of your house the rest of the time. You can believe whatever you want. Just don't bring it out here. I'll tell you what, we're called to go out there. We are called to prevail against these things. And if we don't do it, nobody else can. They have nothing to offer but laws. We have the living God. And people need to know about Him. Our communities are perishing for lack of knowing Jesus. Marriages are attacked and in trouble. Teens are attacked and in trouble. There's one porn site, and I won't tell you which one because I don't want you to go there. But on one porn site last year, people watched 4.6 billion hours of porn on one site. If you add that up, 
that's 525,000 years of time was watched in one year. Don't think that's not changing how men and women and teens view each other. That is a gate, y'all. Don't underestimate the damage that does. But there's no way that they can have a new heart, which is what we have to have, without hearing about him. And there's no way they can hear about him unless somebody tells them. And there's no way that somebody will tell them unless we go. I am not asking y'all to pack up and head off to Africa. But I am asking you to go next door when it's time. I'm asking you to make the phone call to your family member when they need it. I'm asking you to sit down with a friend when you can. And we have to take stands anywhere that hell is trying to open a gate. In our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our places of business, in our coffee shops. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. They cannot. Jesus has already cut the head off the snake. We might have to fight. We might get battered. We might get bruised. We might get bloodied. But hell cannot keep us out. So this Lent, how are you called to know Christ? What do you need to put down and to pick up? And this Lent, how are you called to make Christ known? There we go. What does God want you to do to know Jesus better? This Lent. What does God want you to do to make him known? What should you take up or put down? Where are the gates of hell in our community? How might God be calling us out of our building to prevail against them? So, I'm going to give just a couple of minutes just for your reflection. We said we'd do that in Lent. Give, give some space. Give some time for reflection. So, you've got a couple of minutes. You might use it praying. You might use it writing. But just quietly ask yourself those questions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.